class is back in session. Welcome to D Hall and Dragons, a real play D&D podcast about four high school students who get sucked into a world of fantasy and magic and have to set out on a quest to find their way home, but not before they find themselves along the way. My name is Riley Wesson. I'm this campaign's dungeon master, and I'm joined by my friends, my players, and my ghosts and ghouls. Hello, everybody. Hi. How are we doing today? Do we get to pick the category that we want to fall into of that? Sure. What kind of spooky character would you be? I'll go first. Is that the question of the day? <laughs> sure. Sure. Why not? Brian's going to go a little outside the typical. Uh, anyway, my name's Danielle Grisco, and I play Brian Tolkien. Um, and if Brian were to be classified into any spectral, ghoulish, gothic, or otherwise character, it would be Wednesday Adams. That makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. <laughs> you're so you're so proud of yourself, guys. It was a That's gut so instinct. Good. I ran with it. Yeah, That's no, so good. We're we're going with it. We're digging it. Um. Oh, hello. My name is Jackson Hounds, and I play James Malden. <laughs> James would be uh, Casper, the friendly ghost. Oh, <laughs> yes, buddy. Yes. Oh, that's so good. That's spot Man, on. I haven't seen that movie in forever. <laughs> Little Hillary so, Duff. So friendly. She's there. She's ready. James's best friend is Hillary Duff. <laughs> <laughs> Where did Hillary Duff go? What was the she's last She's a mom. She was in? She's still she's still in she's a bunch of stuff. She was just in Ghost Whisperer. She's so gorgeous. She's got two kids. Good for her. I'm Brandon Lindsay, and I play Cecil McNamara. Oh man. This is a this is a difficult one. He's just trying to think of the buffest monster possible. <laughs> no, no. Casper's uncles. The Holy Spirit himself. Oh <laughs> my god. Yeah. <laughs> Quite literally, oh my god. Yeah. That's pretty sacrilegious of Cecil. To, um, uh... Well, I mean, he he wouldn't. Right. He's, he's also still kind of like... That's the spiritual presence that he most vibes with. Yeah, exactly. It's not that, yeah. he, it's not that he would be the holy spirit but like that's how he identifies yeah because everything yeah. else everything else is satanic <laughs> um, oh my god he doesn't want that in his life so yeah andy has just been leaning back in her chair with her head in her hands since i've asked this question she's yeah. been contemplating this there's this a lot time. there's I'm, a lot I'm of so things ready. no it's just i'm, I'm so having ready. an existential crisis because andy does not know a lot in like the thriller horror genre. That's fair. Andy does not like horror at all. I don't. Yet, anyway. Hi, I'm Andy Dinehart. I'm the voice of Victoria Hightower. Oh, hello. Hello. Oh, hello. I feel like other people would easily look at Victoria and say, oh, you're a, mo- a moaning myrtle. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she she would be <laughs> highly offended by that. Brian mm-hmm. is other people in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Brian is the other people. Brian's like 100% voting world. <laughs> but I think internally, if she really sits down and thought about it, I think the ghosts that she could emulate the most or, or resonate with the most are the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future within um, mm. Christmas Carol. Mm. That's what, what a we nerd. call geeky <laughs> therapy. Fucking Dickens reference. <laughs> yeah. A Dickens reference, yes. Shout out to Charles Dickens. <laughs> My boy. Shout out to Tale of Two Cities. Big fan. <laughs> Yo, his book's coming out real soon. Yeah, I'm sure he's listening to this podcast. <laughs> oh, he's, it's dropping soon. This episode brought to you by Charles Dickens Estate. <laughs> and my name is Riley Wesson. I'm this campaign's dungeon master, as I said. 
I don't really know ghost wise, but if we're saying just like gothic stuff in general, I guess I would probably just say a vampire because I'm super over the top and I like to sleep during the day. Listen, I mean, you look like you would fit in with the Cullen family. I was going to say, we all know it's because of the jawline. Let's be honest here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it fits right into the category. Great reference to make for this audio podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Guys. You're available oh, online. No. It's coming uh, back. No, Riley stop. Wesson. Riley Wesson stop can be back. found. Stop that bringing is, it that back. R I L E Y. He's available on Facebook, Instagram, and if you're really nice to him, maybe TikTok one day. <laughs> he's also got. He's also got a real popular LinkedIn account. Yeah. <laughs> All employers get at me. Our most. Um, our please, most famous. Please give me money. EMC friend. We love him. Stop. We care Stop. about him. Stop. Okay. Now, nope. all right. square his way into the future. <laughs> <laughs> Last session on D Hall and Dragons, tensions flared as Cecil had revealed his trick to Victoria. Furious, she attacked him, but was immediately locked in a hold person spell while the rest of the party <laughs> attempted to defuse the situation. Unfortunately, this came to nothing as Victoria ran away and hid from the rest of the group. Everyone gave chase but lost her in the West Village while she found a backstage entrance into the burned-down BM Theater. Making her way onto the stage, she began to cry a bit before being attacked by mysterious shadows from the orchestra pit. Luckily, she was able to get off a thunderclap before being grappled by them. Outside at the fountain, the rest of the students were just about to split up and search for V when they heard a resounding clap of thunder come from the theater. Rushing inside, they solved a quick puzzle in the lobby and entered the theater to see Victoria in the clutches of inky black ushers. After a tense battle where only one person took damage from the enemies, while Brian <laughs> did take damage but from jumping into the orchestra pit, the group began to scold Victoria for running off, but were cut off by the sound of a voice singing upstairs. Putting the discussion on hold, the group made it up to what appeared to be an empty practice room, save for a burnt skeleton. After a bit of investigation and some choice theater references, the skeleton came to life, unable to resist a sarcastic comment when Cecil said it must have died in the fire 10 years ago. And that's where we are now. That was a genuine comment. You, what, you thought I died in the fire? That that was your big revelation? Well, I, <laughs> Brian, I mean, takes, Brian takes psychic damage for Cecil's lack of true crime knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Brian takes three psychic damage. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I apologize if that was insensitive. I didn't mean for it to be. I mean, I'm in the middle of a burned theater. You feel like you? What did you thought I got stabbed or something? It, it's Brian not... reaches out again with a high five gesture towards the skeleton. What do you want? Another one? I mean, I, I just, can... I felt like we were on the same team. This is the first time this has happened to me since we got here. Okay, so yeah, I yeah, maybe... that's fair. That's fair. Okay, great. That's fair. Right, high five. High five. Uh, roll, roll a d20 for high five, uh, goodness. High five no. goodness? High five goodness. Oh, no. All right, here we go. Okay, uh, Brian forgets to look at the elbow as he's targeting the high five, and with, <laughs> with a four, he entirely misses. Actually, the skeleton also rolled a four. So y'all miss, but because you're synced up, you just managed to swing around and do like the below five yes. underneath, and y'all make it, y'all make it through. Nice. You pulled it off. Brian does a little bit of like a head bob. He's like a little bit of head bob. Yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're vibing. So yeah, you're you're looking at this skeleton that's now alive. From what you can tell, he's wearing kind of like this sort of mottled cloak um, that seems to like shimmer a little bit. It seems strange, but he has kind of a glow in the back of his uh, where his eye sockets were. 
but just kind of like kind of like eyes that sense that there is something there essentially yes interesting and uh he he has some some burn marks across his skeleton a little bit and just some charcoal from the surrounding area uh and he's also uh wearing a newsboy's cap as well amazing Wait, so he burned up and the skeleton was left, but the hat continued to exist. And the costume and the cape, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, they're they're a little little magical, so. Can uh, magical items not burn? Well, some can't. I'm not not super used to magical items, so that's really cool and really nifty. I'm really surprised. You guys seem pretty chill for for seeing a talking skeleton right in front of you, and you're just kind of going along with it. I'm really impressed. Brian uh, shrugs his shoulders and puts his hood down and says, I just protected a dragon, so... Wow. I thought my story was interesting. Do you want to hear the story? Sure, yeah. I, I'm always one for a good story. Okay, so Brian enthusiastically, with a lot of hand gestures, relates the story of the princess in the tower and escaping and thinking he was going to have to fight the dragon and then protecting the dragon and also out loud for the first time acknowledges that he accidentally called the dragon mom as as she was leaving (laughs) oh that's that's rough that's rough buddy brian shrugs his shoulders and goes yeah yeah, yeah." it was it was not ideal but uh frankly completely honest so uh and then at the end of it he goes so frankly talking skeleton the coolest thing I've ever experienced. I would love to hear your story. Tell, so, so tell me your story. It's like a tradesies kind of situation. Fair, fair. just kind of a givesies backsies. Yeah. And then Brian realizes that he just said tradesies out loud and just kind of like shudders and, <laughs> and then just kind of like bit. sits and waits. <laughs> One more psychic damage to Brian. I will say because of Brian emphatically telling the story and probably how much he uh, he told, uh, I will give all of you guys a short rest. So yeah, this entire time, this skeleton is just kind of like nodding along and listening and kind of commenting every now and then a little bit and just very interested in your story. Wow, that's a, that is fascinating indeed. Well, I would be happy to tell you my story. Uh, apologies, I should probably introduce myself. Um, Patrick LeBone, <laughs> but you can call me Patty. Oh my God. Lived in Bummerfield most of my life um, and I was a part of the uh, the conservatory that they put on here at the at the BM Theater, kind of their performance group that they sort of brought up artists and that kind of thing. And so I was, you know, working there, learning, performing, loving the theater. And uh, on the the night of my big recital, the theater burned down, unfortunately. And so I was up here when it happened and uh, just got burned down with the rest of it. And as you can see, I died which was a lot to come to terms with, uh, especially when I came back to life about a month ago or so. I uh, I kind of woke up, wasn't sure what was happening because I was dead and just kind of saw a figure over me and it was saying some stuff and it seemed a bit surprised that I was moving and uh, bolted out of here. But I've been alive and here ever since. Just I've just kind of been sticking up here. Um, I, I don't. I've been trying to get my singing voice back a little bit. Um, it sounded great from out there. That was. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Pretty you impressive. don't. You. I appreciate that. But uh, it's not what it used to be. I'm trying to figure out how exactly to sing without vocal cords. It's a. It's a challenge. I can assure you. So you haven't met the ushers. Of this building. Then. Oh no! I mean, I know there's some 
some weird stuff going around here. Um, typically when they come around, I just kind of collapse like you had seen earlier and they kind of pass me by. Has anyone else come to see you? You know, it's funny that you say that. Um, it was a few days ago. Somebody came up here, didn't interact with me because I was, you know, a pile of bones, but, um, some kind of smaller lanky kid, a little out of sorts. Um, how so? What is, what does out of sorts mean to you? Uh, he just kind of was muttering to himself, looking kind of haggard. Uh, did he drop a a name or a a business card or? I think he kept repeating something about dreams a lot. Ah, mm mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, he kind of ran through here and was rummaging through all my stuff and seemed to be, I think he might have been looking for me. I don't know. How did you know he was looking for you? Uh, Well, he was saying that he had been told that I was here. I think he might have been too out of sorts to realize to check the bones. Who, uh, listen, I, I and forgive if we're if we're prying for whatever oh, reason. No, no, uh, I, I, hey, hey, I haven't talked to anybody for... Uh, I, I guess you could call it 10 years, but um, I mean, a month since yeah. I've been awake. So I'm I'm loving the company. Are you aware of anything that might be missing or, or more importantly, you know, is there anyone in town or out of town that would know that your remains were here and maybe recommended to someone to seek out? I mean, I guess if anything, people might assume that uh, I was up here because it was the night of my recital when the theater burned down. Alternatively, was anyone mad at you? Or, like, did you have any enemies? Not that I know of. I mean, I might have insulted a few people just from my, you know, I do a little bit of comedy on the side, a little bit of observational humor. So I might have offended somebody, but I don't think enough to burn. I, From what I gather, I think the, the theater burning down was just a bit of a big old accident, unfortunately. I don't think it was caused by anybody. I hope it wasn't. Does he seem truthful when he says that? Yeah, insight check. Roll an insight check. Can I look at his expression on his mm. bone face? <laughs> bone face. Uh, Brian also rolled an insight check because he still doesn't trust okay. anyone. Uh, of course. You guys want to go? 12. Uh, 22. 25 with a natural 20. Wow. <laughs> wow. Nice. Oh, yikes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Victoria's kind of still slouched over in the corner and just kind of... Um, but Brian and Cecil, you guys, you guys can see that Patrick is kind of like shifting and trying to cover up, uh, what appears to be the remains of like a spilled oil lamp, uh, next to his desk. He's a dumbass. <laughs> Brian grabs the lamp. Oh, oh shit. Oh shit. Um, yeah, I might've gotten a little bit too over eager during my warmups and, uh, Brian holds up the lamp. And looks at the lamp and like raises an eyebrow and looks at I mean, at it wasn't on purpose. It was an accident. Okay. I mean, this th- this place wasn't up to fire code at all. This place was a very dangerous place to work. As it can be seen by one lamp lit the whole thing ablaze. I mean, it's made of wood for the most part, so. It was an accident. I mean, I'm sad, obviously. I mean, I, I'm not really a big fan of, I mean, especially I, I, I can't. I mean, it's kind of my fault that all the people that came to see me uh, died. And Brian rolls his eyes because he thought he was getting somewhere and understanding the surroundings, and instead it's just an emotional guilt trip. <laughs> so, okay, from my viewpoint, ghosts, spirits, 
You don't believe in ghosts and spirits, Cecil? I do, but they're sort of like, you know, they have, they've turned away from God at that point. So Ah. they're trapped here. Mm. So I'm, you know, I haven't gone, I haven't undergone my (laughs) certification, but Patrick, if you would like, I could hear your confession and get this out of the way. Oh Oh my God. (laughs) And hopefully that can maybe help you. What, save his soul? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't really go to church a whole lot. That's okay. I, I go to really... I I go to church enough for the both of us, honestly. Oh, my parents are pastors and that sort of thing, so it's kind of a family business. Oh, okay, but it's not a business. It's a it's a church. It's not a because they cops and goes <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> are you like a follower of Kavat or who's Kavat or like Elaine or what? Uh, do those names sound familiar from the ones that I've seen? Those are some of the names of the gods that um. Oh, that's right. That Rena had told you about yeah, yeah, yeah. at the right fountain. And um not particularly. Um oh my god, it's a different one. Uh from a faraway land. Sort of the one actual true god, you know? <laughs> oh boy. We come from a far enough away land that this yeah. is all kind of new to us. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I could convert you right here, right now. Oh my god. <laughs> And we could see if that would work. Because unless you want to hang out and stay on. Brian reaches towards the costume rack, grabs whatever T-shirt or closest piece of fabric that he can find, wings around and shoves it into Cecil's face as fast as he possibly can. (laughs) Roll a roll a contested strength check (laughs) or athletics check. (laughs) Athletics check. Bro, I'm an athlete. That's a zero. I got a (laughs) twelve. To zero. It's a it's a little bit clumsy, but you catch Cecil totally off guard, and he just gets a. It's like a like a. Cape I start swatting the, the dust out of my face. <laughs> uh, question. Mm-hmm. Do you remember at all what the person looked like who brought you back or woke you up? This is gonna sound so weird, but um, the main thing I remember when the guy brought me back, like I said, I can only really see an outline, but. He had a huge head. Uh, no. No. Like ego? Like is he full of himself? No, no, like like the size of his head was very large compared to the size of his body. Very misproportionate. Um did it look humanoid? Let me roll it. Let me roll a history check. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah? I think I could see like a almost looked like a like he had a beard or something. Like a hat on top. Like a wizard hat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Do you know him? Well, I mean, we've seen something similar to that, right, guys? Um, as we left the school. Brian pokes Victoria in the side. Ah, what? Just because we've experienced things doesn't mean the whole world needs to know that we experienced He's a skeleton, and he was brought back to life. After being dead for ten years, yeah, and I'm I a think teenager, we can and I came here from a high school. But that doesn't mean that everybody needs to be involved in our stuff, okay? Yeah, well, maybe he can help us find Freddy or whatever the fuck Wally the Warlock is after. Listen, just because you're trying to make up for your ego and the mistakes that you made, and all the crap that you've caused here, and the reason that we're here in the first place, does not mean that you need to expose all of our shit to strangers who used to be dead. 
She stands just on the outside of the door. Brian turns and looks at James and shrugs his shoulders and says, too much. Uh, team, perhaps uh, whatever Wally did uh, in here, Frederick might have been looking an answer for potential resurrection or whatever kind of magic that was used. You don't think, because Freddy talked about something that he was talking to, right? He was in communication with something that was giving him power, that was giving him these visions, and I think he said he had dreams. Yeah. You don't think that was Wally the Warlock, do you? You don't think Wally the Warlock is the same thing that Frederick is talking to? I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but... Lebone? Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. These people that you speak of uh, might be useful to us. Do you have any notion of where the kid went? Did he say anything when he muttered to himself? Uh, from the gist that I was getting, it sounded like he was probably going to be sticking around in town. What bags uh, or, or things was he looking through when he was in here? I mean, just kind of the papers on the shelves and various... Victoria walks back into the room and starts looking through the papers on the shelves. Yeah, Brian would like to do an, an insight slash perception check on the shelves. Or is that investigation? Investigation. Roll investigation. Okay. Oh. Ooh! Pa- Patrick, um, mm-hmm. are there any sort of hidden entrances and or and or tunnels that are kind of underneath the building anything that might be able to to get us out of here without being seen by walking out the front door and or back door uh yeah there's a there's kind of a tunnel network around here i think there's actually one that connects to the bard yard where does it start and i think it might go from the orchestra pit victoria what was your investigation check uh 23 oh great because mine was a two (laughs) Yeah, you look around. It just looks like the place has been kind of ransacked and searched through. Um, it seems like Frederick is really looking for Patty specifically. Patrick. Okay. For some reason. Okay. Uh Victoria, with that role, yeah. uh, with that good of a role, I will say <gasps> What do I find? I'm going to gonna do something crazy. No, thank you. I'm going to have you roll on the uh random item table yay okay <laughs> drink it drink, drink it, it drink it, it. <laughs> roll me a d100 please oh, i want one that is a 96 96 yeah. Ooh. Ooh. um you're poking through you're shuffling through papers and looking through stuff and then you go to the uh you you actually notice the cloak that brian had stuffed in cecil's mouth mm. Um, you kind of pick it up a little warily because it's been in Cecil's mouth, but you look at it closer and you notice it looks really like patchwork, Aww. sort of shoddy. But as you look closer, you can notice that all the patches are seem to be different pictures of things and you procure a robe of useful items. Oh my God. Wow. She immediately freaks out because she thinks it's absolutely gorgeous. Totally, totally her style. It's pretty ugly. It's very cottage core though. It's very cottage core. Oh my god, she loves it. Yeah, like the patches the patches are kind of put together to be like to look very cottage core. <gasps> and she like she puts it on. And um while wearing the robe, you can use an action to detach one of the patches, causing it to become the object or the creature it represents. Nice. Okay, we need to find Freddy and 
I'm trying to think of our of what our next play is, okay? Because if we need to find Freddy... If he's still in this town... We could just go look for him, but that probably I mean, take a while. The barnyard had a, had a large group of people in it. Uh, we could ask around there. What time of day is it exactly at this point? It's funny that you ask. <laughs> um, at this point, it's now probably about 6.30. And is it dark outside? With the state of Bummerfield and the, how heavy the steam is, you guys look outside and see that it is starting to become pretty dark like street lamps are being lit you're kind of can you can see it through the the dense fog you can see houses doors starting to close uh, and people kind of getting off the streets hey patty yeah i know you've only been awake for about a month but have you ever observed anything kind of like weird happening at night here uh yeah that's that's all the spirits of the people that died in the fire that I caused. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I think there's a whole, like, unfinished business thing that they weren't really, you know, happy about dying before they were... Are they looking for you? I mean, when they died, I guess they were here for my recital to, I guess, see me perform. What do you perform? Oh, I, I'd sing, you know. I do kind of singing, some a little bit of dancing. Not really my strong suit, but... Prove it. Prove it. I'm I'm more interested in understanding, you know, more about your range, just so I can take some notes with me. So if, if you would sing a song, I think it would it would really help us understand. <laughs> when the game gets really meta. <laughs> oh my god. I mean you seem to be talented. Clearly this was your big break and I, I hate that you had to miss out <laughs> on it. So just, you know, for our memories and your skill set, I think it would behoove both parties to to really hear you hear you wail there patrick uh well i mean i mean i don't know if i would say something like uh like that i will beat the odds i can go the distance i will face the world fearless proud and strong i know every mile will be worth my while I will go most anywhere to find where I belong. So, I mean, I just... That was so it's just a, just a little... Wait, know, they have like, Disney here? <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that. I didn't really know that song when I was alive. But, like, once I kind of came back, I started knowing a lot more than i thought i did you just you you arrived and all of a sudden it was in your book i yeah i mean my book's chock full now patrick i have a strange question what's that i know you don't have a tongue oh my god but could you lick a fish real quick for me brian looks really confused and just kind of like looks at cecil like what are you talking about oh yeah brian (laughs) i'm gonna need you to lick this too in a minute um here and I pull out the fish that's still been in uh in the milk. Very curdled. Yeah. Ugh. Uh he takes it and sips a little bit of this milk and you just kind of see it go in his mouth and just kind of drip down, but like really it, like there's some chunks in it at this point, and you can see it just dripping through his rib cage and onto the floor. Okay, I immediately pull out my notebook and I'm like, okay, you're gonna start hearing something. I want you to tell me what you hear. What? Oh. What what the I I hear another one of those songs. Which okay, what song it's is it? A... Sing it for us. I've got a beautiful feeling. 
everything's going my way. Okay, but is it the Hugh Jackman version or? I don't know who that is. You know what? Fair. Sorry. Okay. What is that? Um, that's my fish. Brian, would you like a turn? Absolutely not. You can hear <laughs> stuff from our world, though, Brian. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. Wait, that's from your world? Well, the fish isn't, but the song is. James and I both tried it, Brian. Maybe yeah. you could. All the cool kids are trying it, Brian. Brian turns and looks at James and went, you licked the fish? I like to help out my friends. I mean, Victoria and Cecil, I believe. <laughs> you... <laughs> With like without coercion, you licked the fish. Wouldn't be the first substance I have done. Ooh, James is a bad boy. Brian what? like kind of cringes up and is like, I don't, what, what, why? <laughs> this is the worst form of peer pressure I've ever seen. <laughs> it doesn't taste bad. It really it, doesn't. Well, okay, no, it actually. Well, well, with the milk now, it probably t- tastes awful. Now, yeah, now it probably does taste a little. Off. But you don't have to like get a whole lot. You literally can just like take yeah. the fish and just go. Bleh. What's in it yeah, for me? You get to hear something from of a home. lifetime, Brian. You you hallucinate. Put the yeah. fish away, Cecil. James slowly walks backwards out of the room. <laughs> James Moon walks away. <laughs> Patrick, it is you've been a great help to us. Thank you. Um, I think we're going to, unless there's anything else you can tell us, we're going to continue. Well, I'm also of the personally. I want to get y'all's opinion on this, Patrick. If Freddie is looking for you, I don't want him to find you. I think he's a wayward guy at the moment. He's got a lot of shit he's dealing with. That's just what being a teenager is like, I, and he's he's going through it right now. Do you need so, a weapon? Uh. No, not really. Uh, he he reaches and pulls like a particularly long uh, like rib bone off of his rib cage, oh. and like you can see the end is kind of sharp. And he's like, "I actually this, this kind of works pretty well for me, actually." Do you want to come with us? Uh only for a little bit. I mean, I just would rather make sure we find Freddy first without him getting you, and I don't know messing with you yeah i mean i guess you seem like a decent guy even though you know you unintentionally killed a lot of people okay yeah yeah you don't have to remind me uh it thank you it's it's fine it's still fresh on my brain i mean yeah i guess if you say that this guy's a little sketchy i mean there is kind of strength in numbers so if you wouldn't if you wouldn't mind me tagging along a little bit not at all great patrick starts to pick up a little sack that he had hanging over the chair with a few various bits and bobbles that he's collected. Uh, he looks at you, Victoria. Oh, is that? Sorry, I think you have my flute. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's it, it's okay. It's okay. I just wanted to make sure I didn't didn't lose it. He he seems to be pretty gingerly putting it in, make sure it's not doesn't get scuffed up or anything. And so yeah, you guys follow Patrick, the animated skeleton, out of the door, and he leads you guys back. Uh, he shows you th- there is there is another stairway up here that wasn't across the lighting grid that you guys went earlier so you have a bit of an easier journey back down this is a unique theater design yeah i mean it's it was pretty ahead of its time um yeah i mean we're kind of known for our big theater so he's kind of telling you this as you guys are walking along as they were pretty visionary when they made this but it's i mean i guess before it burned down um it was probably about 75 years old or so as we're as we're walking, I would like to, as much as I can, looking around at the architecture, though it is burned down, I'm going to be looking for 
uh, any words or carvings or any sort of engravings that look like, I don't know, kind of runes, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Roll me an investigation check. That is a 12. <laughs> yeah. As you're walking along, you can see like, like a few more of those like show posters that you kind of saw outside. You can see some names that are like scribbled underneath that you can assume is probably like names of people that were in the cast of whatever show it was. As you're walking, um, Patrick is kind of telling you a bit more about the theater and how exactly it worked. It was really interesting, actually, um, for lights and stuff like that. I mean, when it got dark, you couldn't really do a whole lot, but they started um, they started using a lot of like crystals and stuff, and they would uh, use different kind of like magical spells to light them up and do do cool stuff. They would kind of like put them over the grid up there, but uh, it was a lot of spell magic work to kind of make the theater be keep running. But it was a really interesting way of, of working things. Um, every 20 or so feet, Cecil's going to stop and he's going to pull out his little, like, whittling knife. And he's just going to, like, kind of start carving some symbols in, uh, into the wood. Is there anything in particular that he's carving? Uh, he is going to, in Druidic, write the, the symbols for peace. Okay. So, yeah, you guys see Cecil is kind of lagging behind a little bit of your group as he's kind of stopping every now and then to scribble something unintelligible that you guys assume is just kind of Cecil's chicken scratch handwriting because um, you've never really seen him write before. So as you're walking through, um, Patrick takes you to a certain spot below the stage and he kind of pokes around a little bit and then finally finds a bit of a, a divot and he kind of kicks it a little bit and lifts it up and there's a little trap door. Do we need some light? Oh, uh, yeah. Victoria just summons. She has she has uh, produced light, I think, cantrip. So she just lights up her hand. Very nice. Uh, and so he starts leading you through this tunnel. I mean, it's like a, a hewn tunnel that was cut out. And you can see a few halls that are jutting off every now and then. But as you start to get closer to the edge of the tunnel, uh, you guys come to a set of steps. Because uh, everybody make me a perception check. Uh, 21, 17, eight, uh, 19. Okay. Cecil, you're the only one that doesn't really catch this because you're, you're at this point, you're about, you're about like 50 feet behind still trying to scribble down all of these, all these druidic words, Yeah, I'm behind everyone. but the rest of you, as you are standing at the feet of these stairs, you can hear, it's almost sounds like a piano playing up the stairs. Mm. Quick, quick question. Is Gertrude still around? Uh, I mean, yes. Yep. Gertrude is still around. Hey, so you, I know you're a skeleton and I know that's kind of off-putting um, initially for people who don't know you. Cause it's like, oh, wow, right. it's a talking skeleton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, he reaches up to his little newsboy's cap and adjusts it on his head. Uh, and you see a shimmering go over him. Uh, and he, the hat casts disguised self on himself. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And you see... About about your age, an elven boy um, with kind of longer brown hair and these pointed ears uh, and a pretty slender face. And he is he is he is wearing Patrick's outfit, but not burnt and tattered like it is. Is is this what you look like? Uh, yeah, yeah, this was this was Wait, me. So now you're a celebrity that was previously dead in this town that we're walking around with. I wasn't a celebrity. He was like, I was just a... Per- hadn't made his big break yet. Okay, I will say, I would have been a celebrity. My career just hadn't taken off yet. I was going to be big. Trust me. Brian cringes a little bit because that reminds him of how his dad talks about his writing career. 
Oh. Well, okay. Yikes. Oh. <laughs> Listen, it's not so much that he's a celebrity, it's just that he's a really attractive uh, I, elf. Why, thank you. Walking around with us, so like... That might be a little disconcerting still. Brian shrugs his shoulders and goes, I don't know. As long as I don't have to put my clown makeup back on, I guess I'm fine with it. Oh, you've done clown work? No, no. And in fact, I wish you hadn't heard that. And Brian just like keeps walking up the stairs. (laughs) You guys make your way up the stairs and you pop out in the bar area of the bard yard, um, which is the barn. The barn, the barn and the bard yard. Yep. I really wish I would have named this something different now. Uh, You guys pop up and kind of make your way out and you you see that the place is already closed down. Um, so are we barred from this area? No, you are not barred. You are. So we're not barred from, not barred sneak- from the bar from the. <laughs> you are sneaking around in the barred barn in the, the tree and the hole in the hole in the ground and the green grass grows all around, all around and the green grass grows <laughs> all around. So you guys make your way out and um, maneuver through the <laughs> through the barn of the barred yard. The bard barn in the bard yard. Uh, and the bar in the barn in the bard yard. Oh right. The bard bar that's in, in the, the barn, barn in, in the, the bard yard. yard. I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys make your way. You guys make your way outside. And you, you see that stage that you saw earlier that uh, had the various instruments on it. But you can see and hear now even better the piano that was playing earlier. Is somebody playing the piano? You look out and there is a young translucent woman with very long flowing hair sitting at this piano and slowly playing a tune. Brian walks over to Cecil and goes, it's Moaning Myrtle. I don't know what character or, or franchise you're referencing right now, Brian. No, no, no. That's that's Charlotte Wakana. Is she a celebrity? She was a part of the conservatory with me. She was a she was an instrumentalist. She played. She was a like a Did, virtuoso. Listen, look look at look me in the eyes. Brian like yes, shifts yes. and like puts his hands on Patrick's shoulders. As you put it on, you can still feel the skeleton underneath. It's just your your Brian, hands go through the disguise. Cell Brian spell. hovers his hands lightly above the, the <laughs> where the spell ends. Brian would absolutely pull a hover hand. <laughs> just as like we're here together he goes look at me yes did you i'm not even gonna try and say it gently did you technically kill her i mean she might have been there in the theater as well was she translucent the last time you saw her oh no she was very much alive you 100 percent killed this person for the record this is a situation of murder and we should probably not let the victim see their potential it, was, it wasn't murder it wasn't murder this was not premeditated this was homicide if anything it was it was accident you are you were yelling first listen you were yelling first defensive is not going to help us in this situation when you get back to center and calm the emotions the fuck down of whatever is going on here, potentially we can start a conversation. Do you see how I'm asking questions that are going to help us in our mission here and actually evade any kind of trigger-based response? Has anyone ever told you you're fucking annoying? Yeah. (laughs) Brian looks at Victoria. James slowly walks out of the barn. (laughs) (laughs) As James walks out, and you and Patty have raised your voices in this yeah. argument. Shit. Um, Shit. You hear the piano stop and the form of Charlotte slowly looks at you guys and she... Brian makes eye contact with Charlotte and just says, ignore, 
and casts command on her. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> What's the save on that? Um, do, 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 13. Wisdom saving throw, 13. Okay. Uh, she rolled a 16. Oh. Great. She looks at you as you say this and she says, What am I? A beautiful piano player. What am I? Brian is fidgeting around in his backpack, panicked, and just trying to gauge which way this is going to go. And he's looking for something that will potentially help him. As you're looking, I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. Because everyone needs to roll initiative. Yes! Fuck! (laughs) Wait, I'm, I'm no, not even in. Yeah. I'm not even. You just like oh, I'm out of this. Jeez. I'm not taking part of this. This is outside of the barn. Okay. You had walked out. She is on the stage that was in like the fit, like the area outside of the barnyard. I see what you're saying. He may he may be further from us, but he still sees what's going on. Yeah, that's a 19 for Cecil. Ooh, Brian rolled yeah. an 11. 16 for Victoria. Uh, 10. All right. You see her look at you. And again, she screeches, what am I? And she plays this furious piano solo. And you see three other instruments on the stage lift up and start to float. And they animate. Oh, my God. There's a drum set on stage that comes up and a violin and a guitar that have lifted up and are now floating in the air around her. Riley, I would like to give you luck points for recreating the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> Don't give the DM luck um, points. <laughs> he doesn't need them. I'll, I'll take them. All right, I was going to roll initiative for them, but they rolled the same initiative of her, which was another natural 20. Oh, so, motherfucker. Um, Patrick, so, uh, what did Patrick roll? Uh, Patrick, I'm not going to tell you what Patrick rolled. I would like to know. Um, we'll find out. That is her turn, though. Uh, these instruments rise and the drum set lumbers off of the stage uh, and is not close enough to you yet, but it is now at the it is now in the area around the stage. The violin is going to dart towards James and attack him as he is closest. James. Uh, probably probably gonna miss. The violin rolled a 10. Um, yeah, it misses. Yeah, and the guitar is also going to guitar is going to hit. Guitar rolled a 23. Uh, Guitar does four damage to James. Uh, So yeah, James has two of these instruments floating around him. Charlotte is at the piano um, playing, and the drum set is at the base of the stage. That takes us to Cecil's turn. Okay. Uh, Bonus action, Shillelagh. Gonna bring out my my bat, and um, I'm gonna sprint as far as I can. I'm gonna try and get to Charlotte. Um... I'll say you probably you would probably have to dash to get up to her on the stage. Okay. She's a bit too far. What is closest? Probably the the violin and the guitar. Okay. Um yeah, I'll go help out James. Um I'll take out the guitar. Okay. That is a twenty to hit. Okay, yep, that will hit. Alright, that is nine points of bludgeoning damage. Ooh. So nine damage, you wind up and crack this thing, break a few strings. Bang! And it hovers away a little bit, but turns to you and is floating very angrily, playing a furious minor chord on itself. This guitar, it's a little too high strung for me. <laughs> Patrick from the back goes, boo! 
Patrick, you gonna fucking do something? Puns are the lowest form of humor. You're dead. <laughs> low blow, low blow, dude. Um, Victoria, that's your turn. Can I get within 30 feet of Charlotte? Yes, I would say you can, yeah, you can get to like the base of the stage and that will be, you'll be close enough to, she will be within 30 cool. feet of you. Then I take a bottle of something out of my bag really quick. I put a couple drops in my hand and smear it, and it's a sweet almond oil. And then I reach out and I point at her and I go, I suggest you call this off. And I'm going to cast Suggestion. And it's, okay, what is the language of Suggestion? I suggest a course of activity, so a limited sentence or two. Mm -hmm. Creatures that can't be charmed are immune to this effect. Unfortunately, Charlotte cannot be charmed. Great. Awesome. So I go, shit. And then I just stand there and pull out my bow and arrow. You try and you try and speak to her, and she is still furiously playing the piano. Uh, and she she turns to you for a split second and again says, "What am I?" Uh, Brian, that's your turn. Um, so Brian stands there and stops frantically digging around his backpack and realizes that Victoria's thing failed and just thinks, "This is why emotions do not help anyone." And makes eye contact with Charlotte and just says, no need to be afraid. We can figure this thing out logically. And casts calm emotions. Okay. In which Charlotte's going to have to do a charisma saving throw. Uh, yeah. That's a charisma saving throw of what? 13. 13. Uh, yeah. She rolled a seven. What are you going to do? Suppressing um, anything that makes the target frightened. So for the next minute, Charlotte is not mm -hmm. was not frightened or charmed. So she's got to calm the fuck down. Okay. Um, unfortunately, with the language of that, she is not frightened of you guys. Frightened is a condition Damn. that is set upon somebody. Damn it. Uh, and she is she is not frightened of you. She's just hostile towards you guys. Fuck! Um, Riley, yeah. I'm upset with you. So, <laughs> I, sorry. Um... Yeah, she's just continuing to play and just panting at this piano, uh, seeming very distraught. Uh, anything else you want to do? Brian keeps digging through his backpack. Okay. Um, also, I forgot, could all three of you roll me a d20 sure. for um, magic surge? Oh, no. Magical puberty? Oh, no! That's what I like to hear. That's a natural 20. Dope. Uh, Brian rolled a four. And Cecil rolled a natural one for his trilogy. <gasps> Oh, incredible. Awesome. Both of you roll me a D100. 78. 48. Awesome. This is the first time this has happened to Victoria. Oh, you're right. Welcome, welcome to the club. We have jackets. As you guys cast these spells, you feel like your kind of displacement of being on this plane that Martha had told you guys about shudders through you. And Victoria, your spell seeps out a little bit and the almond oil that you seeped on your hand drips off a little bit and it spreads all around you and you cast a grease spell centered on yourself. No! And Cecil, uh, roll me a d10, please. Of course, of course, I will. That is a six. Okay. James and Victoria, you guys are within this range. Uh, you no. guys fear this piercing in your side and you both take six necrotic damage as Cecil, oh, you shit. see the drum set guitar and violin also cringe a little bit and they seem to be damaged as well. And Cecil, if you had been missing health, you would regain 
30 health from the combined necrotic damage dealt to everybody. Oh I was down 1 HP because I expended a hit die and I only gained 1 HP back. Cecil's feeling fine now. I'm feeling great, guys. Victoria, I will say because uh, you are close enough to the stage, this drum set is caught up in your grease spell as well. Oh, okay. And that takes us to Patty's turn. So Patty uh, is going to make his way out and he's going to reach out his hand. He's going to hum a few words again. And you see the dancing lights that he had centered around himself shoot out at the drum set and lock onto it and start floating around. And I am going to roll for this drum set. It's getting very fire. Oh my God, there's so many freaking tabs. Uh, oh, to be a DM in an online atmosphere. <laughs> Gonna have 15 um, tabs open. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah, this drum set fails, and you see the lights crash onto it, and it lights up, and they all go, um, they all go into this light bluish color, and he casts Fairy Fire, and so every attack on this drum set will have advantage on it until this spell ends. And as a bonus action, he's going to look to James, and he's gonna say, hey, man. I know it looks bad, but simply remember your favorite things and then you won't feel so bad. And he's going to give you bardic inspiration. Of course he is. But he rhymed bad with bad. <laughs> uh, so yeah, James, you have a D8 to expend as you wish uh, until the end of this spell. All right, and that is James's turn. Okay. Uh, I guess I can't use my uh, bow because shit's in my face. So, Unfortunately not. You do have you do have those short swords that daggers, you got a while back. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna attack the, the guitar that uh, Cecil had already hit. Great. Now that you are, I forgot to mention to our listeners, uh, our party leveled up last session, so now they are level five. So Jackson, if you would like, uh, please roll me two d20s for uh, two attacks on this thing. I will say, since Cecil is also there, uh, you can roll with advantage. Yeah, I would definitely, oh, thank, thank I'll definitely position to, to get him. Okay, 14 and then 22. All right, the 14 will miss, but the 22 will hit. Okay. I believe a short sword is 1d6 plus your dexterity. Yeah, uh, and then I can add that d8, right? Uh, Not to the damage roll. Oh, it's not to damage, okay. For Bardic Inspiration, you can add it to any ability check, saving throw, or attack roll. So attacking to hit. To hit, oh, okay, got it. So that's a four. Okay. You smack this thing, and this guitar is kind of starting to fall apart and sagging a little bit. Still angry at you guys, but not doing too great. So that takes us back up to Charlotte. She is still heaving and looking distraught at the piano, but she changes her angry, powerful tune to one that's a bit slower and a bit more somber. And she's going to play this very sorrowful song that spreads across the yard and this melancholic tune begins to play and enters everyone's ears everybody give me a charisma saving throw damn it damn it jackson the the good thing about bardic inspiration you can decide to use your bardic inspiration after you've rolled so if you roll well you can be like okay i'm good with that but if you roll like a you roll like okay and you're like okay i want to boost this just in case you can use your bardic inspiration yeah i think i want to probably do it on this one Okay. So that's a D8, right? A D8, correct. Victoria has advantage against being charmed and magic that can put me to sleep. 
Do Does either of that apply? This is neither of those things. Okay, then I rolled an 11. Brian rolled 11. a 10. Oh, wow. I rolled an 8 <laughs> on that. So 13 plus 8. Oh, dope. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Cecil also rolled a 21. Thank God. Amazing. Someone's got to survive it. So, James, as you expend this bardic inspiration, you noticed when Patrick cast it, it reached out and it kind of turned into this little moat around you of this bluish flame and was kind of sizzling around you as you were as you had it. And as you think of the words that Patrick's saying, it fizzles away and you gain a temper you gain temporary hit points equal to uh the number rolled on the bardic inspiration die plus four so you gain 12 temporary hit points this song reaches out and it seeps into your brains each one of you and you start to remember things cecil as the notes dance through your head you blink and you suddenly recall a vivid memory it's freshman year A warm breeze drifts through the February air, signaling the coming of spring. No, the coming of baseball season. You're on the Summerfield Central High baseball field, along with a multitude of other freshmen that are lined up on the bench as a weekend of tryouts has come to a close. Your father, Richard McNamara, coach of the team, stands on a field with a clipboard, calling out a list of names. Those fateful men chosen for the greatness that is the warlock varsity baseball team. Zach Porter, William Lowing, Luis Rodriguez, Benjamin Halsey, Henry McMichaels, Jamal Cooper, and uh, Saul Garcia. Thanks to all you guys for coming out. Uh, You all showed a lot of hustle out there. You made this a very tough decision. We look forward to seeing what you can do on JV, and we hope to see you at tryouts again next year. The seven young men chosen jump off the bench, congratulating one another, heading towards the assistant coach excited for what's to come. Your fellow varsity hopefuls sigh in frustration, some heading out without a word, some kicking their bags in anger, while others slowly grab their things with tears in their eyes, walking dejectedly to the parking lot to get picked up by their parents. You, on the other hand, have to wait for your father to finish up with the new recruits. So you remain seated on the bench, Trying to keep a brave face, but it's hard to keep up a mask after something like this. Eventually, your dad makes his way over to the bench and slowly takes a seat beside you, looking out over the empty baseball field. <sighs> nice work today, champ. Thanks. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I really wanted you on the team. Um, you know, you're, you're mainly, you do really good at second. You're really solid at second, and unfortunately, uh, our main second baseman is in his senior year, and he's really got the position locked down. So, um, unfortunately, we just we couldn't bring you on this. Yeah, year. no, um, no. I'd rather have a, I'd rather have a strong team, and be able to, uh, be able to let the seniors have their have their time. I mean, I, I could still come to practices and help, you know, um, help run, you know drills and, and things like that yeah you'd be we'd love to we'd love to have you i mean and I, look i know i know you're gonna you're gonna be great on jv you're gonna be such a great leader for all the other students mm-hmm. and you're gonna do a fantastic job <sighs> thanks dad um <laughs> um 
Hey, I... I know this isn't easy. So, um... I'm always here to talk. You know that. Uh, but I guess... For now, we should... We should probably head home. I think, uh... Your mom's got your favorite on the... On the stove right now. Um... Okay. I'm gonna... Go ahead and head out to the truck. Uh, get the AC blasting. Um... And you just... Come on out when you're ready. Um... Could we listen to the Wicked soundtrack on the way home? You know I've already got Dancing Through Life queued up on the phone. Thank you, Dad. He gives you a fatherly rub on the shoulder and slowly stands up and makes his way up to the parking lot as your memory drifts back into the present moment. Victoria. The tune tickles at your mind. And before you know it, you are no longer in the middle of the barnyard. You're back in Los Angeles. It's your birthday, and you are 12 years old. You sit at your neighborhood bus stop, like you have for the past two hours, and for the past seven birthdays, waiting for your dad to arrive on your special day. Your mom had thrown you a big party, which you begrudgingly sat through, but none of the multitude of presents brought by friends and family are what you really want. And so you wait. Another 30 minutes. Another hour. Another two hours. Surely this, this will be the year that he comes to see you. The year he returns to scoop you up in a great big hug and tell you how glad he is to see you. But as 10 o'clock rolls around, buses have come and gone, but not one carried the man you'd seen in your mother's pictures that she tried to keep hidden from you. Not one brought you your dad. As you sit on the bench under the soft street light, you hear a small noise walking up behind you. And you lift your head and you turn in excitement. But it's your mother coming to pick you up just like she has every birthday for the past seven years. With a heavy sigh, she makes her way around the bench and sits next to you under the street light. Well, <laughs> you probably just, you know, got stuck doing something, right? You know? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he's a... He's a busy guy. We've... Still got plenty of cake. <laughs> yeah. Honey, I'm sorry. You know... You know how... How much this breaks my heart. Yeah, Mom. I know. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Let's go home. You, uh... Stand and... Put on a smile and... Make your way back down the sidewalk as your mother turns and follows you slowly. And your memory drifts through and you come back to the present moment as well. Brian. This strange melody drifts through the air and settles on your brain. The heavy notes reminding you of a melancholic memory as well. As you open your eyes... You are in your home two years ago. 
The hallways are dim as you've woken up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, but we're stopped on your return journey as you overheard some raised voices and spotted a beam of light coming from the living room. You creep closer, thankfully wearing socks as to not make a sound on the wooden floor. And as you approach and peek around the corner, you see your mother and father, Gwen and John Tolkien, standing in the lamplight. Though their tones are hushed, you can tell things are a bit heated. I just think it wouldn't be the worst thing to maybe look into another job. I I know the newspaper is looking for editors. Gwen suggests, taking a sip of a drink in her hand, and John clenches his fists and turns to his wife. How many times do I have to tell you? I'm not an editor. I'm not a columnist. I'm not a reporter. I'm a novelist, damn it. And I am going to provide for my family through writing. What, What do you mean? Your books have yet to sell well. I'm sorry, but we are barely scraping by as it is. We need another source of income. Maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to reach out to my parents. Oh, here we go again. Things get a bit rough, and you automatically try to run to daddy. Don't give me that shit. Don't give me that shit, John. I gave up all of that for you, and look where we are. I chose you over them, even though it broke my heart. But the unfortunate fact is that sometimes love isn't enough to make things work. At this, your father goes quiet, looking pensively at the paper on his desk. So, um, so what are you saying? As she approaches him slowly, you can see the impulse to place a hand on his shoulder, but she resists it. I'm just saying... Look over these income forms. We might need to budget a bit more and possibly look for new solutions. Before you can hear anything else, you feel a tugging at your shirt. And you turn quickly to see your younger sister, little 10-year-old Jenny Tolkien, look up at you through sleep in her eyes. What? What's going on? Nothing, Jenny. I was just going to the bathroom. Oh, I... Is that... Are mom and dad talking in there? No, you're you're dreaming. You're dreaming. Um, come on. And, and I, I take her hand and, and start back up the hallway. Oh, oh, okay. You're, you're... You're just dreaming. It's okay. Okay. And she holds your hand as you pull her back up the stairs and away from the lamplight in the living room. James, this melody reaches a crescendo as a collection of memories come to you. You see a face that you haven't looked at in quite a long time. A young boy with a mischievous smirk and a messy mop of hair sits across from you in your elementary school library. This is Liam Westwood, your childhood friend. You had grown up on the same street, and being the only other boy around your age in the area, the two of you became inseparable growing up. You see glimpses of the two of you reading books together in your room, taking walks through nature and uncovering rocks covered in bugs, writing stories together. Your brain snaps to middle school. The two of you walking through the halls with the awkward stares that comes from growing up and everyone being unsure of themselves at that age. 
the two of you sitting at lunch together, whispering in the back of class. Though life could be rough as a teenager, the two of you had each other, and that was a comfort through it all. Your mind snaps to freshman year. You'd had the first week of school, but suddenly had to miss two weeks due to a death in the family and a trip out of state. Upon returning, you'd begin to notice lingering stares on you as you walked through the halls, and students whispering to one another as you sat in class. Unfortunately, you didn't have any classes with Liam and only saw him in passing, and even he seemed to be avoiding you. Eventually, your brain recalls that day, sitting at the edge of the lunchroom alone, when your eyes land on Liam a few tables away, surrounded by a group of students. They eat their food and laugh together, as it seems Liam has just made a joke. Though it was uncharacteristic of you, the confusion and anger at your close friend for ignoring you all this time fills you as you stand and you approach Liam at the table. Uh, sorry, um, can, can I help you? Yeah, maybe you can. Um, uh, we haven't... Look, I had a, uh, I had a death in the family. I had to go to a funeral. It's been pretty rough, actually. I haven't been here for two weeks. I'm sure you noticed. Actually, you probably didn't. Um, given the state of affairs right now. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm curious. Why, um, why the estrangement? What is, why, why, why don't you talk to, why are people in the hallways, uh, staring at me and looking at me? I don't know what's going on. As you say this, Liam seems a bit caught off guard, uh, and he seems to be kind of struggling for words, and then you see the girl sitting next to Liam lean over, and she says, Isn't that the kid that you told me beat up a teacher on the first day of school? And Liam kind of looks back at you, and... Look, (laughs) I don't really feel like talking to a freak, okay? Are you going to beat me up too? I'd really rather not go through that today. No. No. Uh. Okay. Well, at least I. At least I know. Liam, I hope you, um. I hope you have a good life, man. I'm new, um. <laughs> I go back to my segregated spot from the rest of the school. And, um. And I won't, I won't bother you again. Promise you. As you turn and leave, or you can overhear these students whispering to one another and kind of laughing under their breath. As you turn to get one last look, you see this slight tinge of regret in Liam's eyes. And then your mind flicks through more memories, though they all look incredibly similar. You in the library alone. You eating in the cafeteria alone. You walking home from school alone. By now, what what was the point? If people were going to act like they were your friend only to turn around and stab you in the back so they could just fit in with others, why trust them at all? You're better off. Alone. And your brain snaps back to the present moment. As Victoria and Brian are frozen on the spot, paralyzed and stuck in these memories that you are 
experiencing. And you both take 17 psychic damage. James and Cecil, you are also racked by these memories and the overflow of emotions that hit you, stagger you for a second, but you somehow manage to break through it. And you guys are not paralyzed, but you do take eight damage apiece. And you see Patrick as well shaken and stumble back but he is okay and in the fight as well and you see charlotte bearing over the piano sobbing at this point what am i (laughs) and that is the instruments attack the guitar is going to attack james and is going to hit, I believe, with a 17. That does 10 damage to James. And smacks you right across the face. And the violin is going to attack Cecil. And is going to miss with a natural one. As it lets out this dissonant note and slides past your face. Um, The drum. So it is going to like start playing every piece of the drum set and it's going to cast thunder wave and i need everybody to make a constitution saving throw including the paralyzed uh, I, people do we automatically fail uh yes paralyzed people automatically fail this yep great this is fun i'm having a good time this might mm-hmm. kill me yeah me too i feel a bit of retribution here <laughs> i regret all the times i embarrassed Riley on this podcast. Um. (laughs) It was fun while it lasted. Yeah, I had a good time. I miss, uh, you know, I'll miss you guys, but like, it was good. Uh, James and Cecil, what did you roll? Uh, Natural 19. Okay. Cecil, you pass. And James? Eight. Uh, James, you take 12 damage. Cecil, you take six damage. And I need to roll for the violin and the guitar as well. They both... Fail. Um, the guitar shatters and is dead. Thank God. Um, and the violin is looking quite hurt. So that was 12 points of damage if you fail, correct? Which means correct. Brian and I. Okay, thank you. Yes, you get. Yes, Brian and Victoria, you also take 12 damage. Amazing. Still standing. <laughs> that is now Cecil's turn. Um, Cecil. Uh, I'll say, roll me whatever's best for you. I'll say either history, insight, or perception. Uh, I'm gonna, this is history for sure. Okay. 25. Very good. You think back to this memory, and as hard as it was to go through, you remember that after going through something, and after being so distraught and upset, it was spending time with your dad and listening to something that was comforting to you and something that you were very close to that helped you to recover from it. And you look at Charlotte up on the stage and you assume that that might be the case for her as well. She might not listen to words, but it's possible she'll listen to music. Her. The A chords and the the G minors and all of the all of the the letters that come that come with music. Uh. What am I? Okay. 
Uh, I'm going to cast Enhance Ability on myself. Okay. I'm going to choose Eagle Splendor. I'm going to give myself advantage on Charisma checks. Oh. Um, okay. And uh, I'm going to start singing Defying Gravity. Okay. Roll me a performance check with advantage. Well, son of a bitch. <laughs> Rolled a natural one and a natural four, so that's a six. <laughs> Man, that high note in Defying Gravity is hard to get. Brandon could probably, but Cecil could not. Yeah, Cecil is trying to sing it, and your voice cracks at the high note, but it is overpowered by Charlotte's wails of despair as she pounds on the piano keys. You're a ghost. I, what do you want from me, Charlotte? What am I? Uh, I I'm going to use as, as much movement as I can, and I'm going to run up to Charlotte. Okay, uh, and make me a dexterity saving throw as you run through the grease. I'm an athlete. It's okay. Oh, and now I know a natural 20. I hate this guy. Stupid. You slide through and leap onto the stage, and you are standing on at the piano next to Charlotte. Victoria, it comes back to you, and I need you to roll me... Uh, another charisma saving throw. Okay. <laughs> I think I figured it out. Um, that's a 10. Nope. Unfortunately, you are still I, I, locked in I, this. I, I know. How, I think I You know. are still I, locked in this memory. Oh, oh. Um, I, of just, I figured it out, back too. To okay. The, walking back to <laughs> oh, your home. Your mind flicks to your 13th birthday as you continue to go through these unfortunate memories. Uh, Brian, make me a charisma saving throw as well, please. Oh, I didn't pass. It's a 13. Yeah, you see yourself tucking your sister back into bed as you creep back to your own room and slide back into bed, but are unfortunately unable to fall asleep in this memory. That is going to be Patrick's turn as he is looking around very distraught and uh, shaking off the memory of him burning down the entire theater and uh, he's going to run to Victoria and yeah, he passes your dexterity check, slides up to you and he's going to hum into your ear to try and break you out of this and he manages to. He shakes you. He says, look, look, I know, I know it's hard. We, we, we're still here. We're still here. We can still do something. Her eyes are all glazed over and he can see now that there are just tears streaming down her face. Yeah, okay, sure. And she wipes like, there's a little bit of blood trickling from her nose too, because she's pretty hurt. Yeah, Patrick still has the rest of his turn and he's going to look at Cecil up on the stage. Um, yeah, I know what to do, Patrick. He's going to sing, tonight, tonight, you can do this tonight. Uh, and use, give you bardic inspiration as well. <laughs> Don't give me that look, Danielle. It's too late. It's been done. <laughs> James, that's your turn. Because James just got not only a psychological beating, but a physical beating, he drops to his knees as one of the uh, daggers that he has in his hand. And looking at it, he is reminded of a certain pointy object that he used to inject into himself as a means of coping with the loss of his only friend, and he is gripping it the handle very, very tightly, trying to get enough willpower to not relapse. All right, that is James's turn as he tries to hold on to his self-control. That is 
Charlotte's turn as she sees Cecil coming towards her. She's going to reach out and grab him by the shoulders and looking into your eyes, she says, what am I? I know, I know. <laughs> and she is going to, just by touching you, attack you. Oh, um, bitch. And that is going to miss, unfortunately. I'm an athlete. Or fortunately, for, fortunately for you. So that is her turn. The instruments are still alive and kicking, oh, though. Crap. And the violin is going to swipe at James once more and rolls a natural 20. Um, no! No, it does not! That is eight damage to James. As you take the hit, it happens to knock your arm and the dagger in your hand scatters away and your hand goes a little bit looser as you kind of or snap back into the present moment, uh, still trying to hold on. And the drum set is going to shift over to Victoria. Great. She is who's closest. <laughs> Going down. And is going to hit. Ooh, that does 14 damage. Uh, yeah, I'm out. Okay. I go unconscious. Victoria gets smacked over the head with a cymbal, and she <clears throat> falls to the ground. And that is Cecil's turn. Bonus action, healing word at third level. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay, roll me a d20. Eight. Victoria gets 16 points of healing. Lovely. Thanks, friend. Looking back into Charlotte's eyes, I'm gonna try and start singing again. <clears throat> Sing once again with me, a strange duet. No. <laughs> no. She's the Phantom of the Opera. She. There is. What am I? You're the yes, Phantom of the is. Opera. There is no other acceptable answer at this point. Yes, there is. Patrick from below looks confused at you and shouts, "She's an accompanist!" Uh, and that's the end of Cecil's turn. Can I not? Uh, can I Victoria, not make a, though, a performance check? Sure. I mean, it. you can. Still have advantage. And I'm. Yes. You also have a bardic inspiration. I guess if you want to use that. Well, they're both natural three, so <laughs> whatever. Cecil, Cecil has not warmed up today. No. Um, Victoria, after being knocked out. Yep. You hear Cecil's voice in your head and snap back into consciousness and you are no longer paralyzed. So you can pull yourself up and take your turn. I'm close enough to Charlotte for her to hear me, right? Yes. Victoria Oh, God. Kill this ghost. I only know this because I read the book. 24601. What am I? 24601. Please be right. That's who am I. Damn it! What am I? You're about to be a dead ass bitch because I'm, I'm the next yeah, thing I'm that's... doing is gonna is gonna end everything. Roll me uh, an insight check. Okay, that's a twenty-five. That's a three. <laughs> Victoria is still trying to get her bearings back yeah, after. No way. Uh, ten. Okay, James is still trying to gain control. Uh, but Cecil, you realize she is tied to this piano and the sounds that it makes and the keys that her fingers are gracing and you think something on this piano must be able to calm her down i'm killing her i'm <laughs> i no brian your turn I... roll me a charisma saving throw <gasps> 11 you. yeah you're still locked in this patrick is going to then run up to brian now and he's going to 
shake Brian and get him out of this. And he passes as well. Come on, come on. We've got to save her. Uh, and shakes you back into reality and is going to bardically inspire James. You have a D8 to use as you wish. James, that is your turn. Can I, with this inspiration, look up and then run to the piano to try and figure out what the answer is? Sure. Yeah, you're close enough to the stage. You run up. Roll me another insight check. Uh, 17, I think. And with this, since you are making an ability check with this Bardic Inspiration, you can roll the Bardic Inspiration die twice, and you can choose which one you would like to use. Well, I I got a 7, so so that's 17 plus 7. Great. Yeah, you are looking, and you remember that the keys on the piano have letters that correspond with them. (gasps) Oh, okay. Would you like to do anything else? Uh, no, I, I don't. All right. Uh, that comes back to Charlotte's turn. And she is going to turn as she sees James staring at her on the piano and reach out to him and grasp his shoulder. And that is going to miss as well. Her hand just harmlessly passes through you as she is sobbing at this piano right now, distraught and confused. Uh, and... The violin is going to sweep towards Brian and attack. And that rolls another natural one. Misses. Uh, Drum set is going to follow in kind and misses as well. I cannot roll attacks for anything. Brian's Um, very okay. So that is their turn. Cecil, you are up. Okay. Well, now I know the answer and... You do? Then finish it. Yeah, bro. But there's another cool thing. Never mind. It's fine. I'll save it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna push past her and I'm gonna play D E A D on the piano. <gasps> you sick you son of a bitch managed to squeeze in in between the bench as she has lunged at James and you quickly play out these notes and they ring through the air and you see Charlotte. This look of recognition comes to her eyes. As she loses the fury in her face and seems to be calmed. I summon a rhinoceros to destroy the the piano. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, uh, wait, is that a spell? I must Yeah, I conjure animals and I summon a rhinoceros and he's gonna charge and destroy this piano. Okay, roll me a d20. Uh, that's a natural 20. <laughs> okay, roll me a d100. Oh my god. 18. Hey, I think that gives me stuff. I think I rolled an 18. Does that give me stuff? Uh, roll me a d6. Uh, that's a 6. Do I get 6 um, things? You get a third level spell slot back. <gasps> Wonderful. So, you see this look of serenity come over Charlotte's face. It's okay, Charlotte. And she, You're safe. She turns and she sees you all of you for the first time and she looks at Cecil and she says she starts to say thank you for for bringing me back to my <laughs> this rhinoceros comes boom, boom, charges across the stage and destroys this piano and she goes no my piano and with that class is dismissed <laughs> it held you to this mortal plane <laughs>
Silent Dragons is Andy Dinehart as Victoria Hightower, Daniel Grisco as Brian Tolkien, Brandon Lindsay as Cecil McNamara, Jackson Pounds as James Malden, and myself, Riley Wesson, as your DM. Thanks so much for listening to this session of D. Holland Dragons. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and share it with a friend. If you happen to be in the Central Texas area and would like to see some of us perform live, you can come see Brandon and I in A Midsummer Night's Dream at 309 Coffee in Georgetown, June 17th, 18th, 19th, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. It is the inaugural production of Brandon's new theater company, Cardboard Cinema Productions, and we all could not be more proud of him. A link to more information about the show can be found in the episode description, as well as all the music we used in this session. Our theme music is Sonic Pogo by Vans in Japan, and our artwork is done by the incomparable Carlina Alvarez. A link to her stuff is in the description as well. Until next time, go support the arts. With theater starting to open back up and everything starting to open back up, if you're feeling safe enough, get out there and consume some culture. Soak it in and appreciate the creativity of humans. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next session. You had walked out. She is on the stage that was in like the fit, like the area outside of the barnyard. I see what you're saying. Away, barnyard. Like. Yeah, he walked away from us. No, 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 no. Okay, so you guys came out yes. in the bar, yep. in the barn, in the barnyard. Yeah, in the bar outside, outside of, of that, the barn. That is the barnyard. Right <laughs> outside of that is a stage. You had walked stage. out of the barn. You had walked out of the barn towards the stage and saw Charlotte. Yes. So you are there. Great. Well. So roll initiative. <laughs> <laughs>